Jesus. Will you clap your hands to the Lord? Are you thankful for a God that never leaves you, never forsakes you? He's with you in the valley. He's with you wherever you go. Are you thankful for a God that cares enough about you? Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I am so thankful to serve a God that loves us, that cares about us. And as we said here Sunday, didn't we have a great time Sunday? Thank God for those that were baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, lives forever changed. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it is true that we don't really know what empty is till we're without God. But you're not all the way full yet. There's more for you. God's got more things for you. It goes both ways. And I think tonight's another night that we can get a little bit closer to Jesus. We can know him a little bit better. I am very happy tonight. Uh, Brother Carroll, uh, I guess the last year or so I've been trying to uh, uh, have him. He's been evangelizing for uh, many years now, but was trying to work out that he could come. And then just got word that he was... Uh, in the area, so I got a hold of him and was able to have him here tonight. Uh, I'm very thankful. We've known the uh, Carroll family for many years. We were talking old Jack's Creek, uh, Jack's Creek stories uh, earlier. That's where uh, the uh, my mom's pastor's wife pastored, the, um, not in California, but there in Tennessee, and just great stories, great memories, and uh, I'm thankful that he's here tonight, and I'm ready to grow in the Word. Anybody ready to reach a little bit and Ready to back up the man of God and plug in? Anybody ready for a word from the Lord? Have you come more than just sit through a service? Are you ready for the Holy Ghost to touch your heart and your mind and your spirit? Why don't you stand and clap your hands to the Lord as Brother Carroll comes to deliver the word of God? Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's great to be in the house of the Lord tonight. And uh, it's a particular privilege to be here in Bellevue with uh, Pastor and Bishop Barnum and this church family. Thankful for the opportunity. Amen. To be here. We, um, as, your, as Pastor Jason just mentioned, we share some history in terms of our Pentecostal experience going back to Dawson's and Weed Patch and, of course, Jack's Creek with the Daniels and others. Amen. I'm glad to be here tonight. I remember I remember as just a kid seeing uh, Bishop and Sister Varnum at Jack's Creek camp meetings. A couple times my dad uh, preached camp meetings there. And so I feel blessed to be here tonight. Amen. Amen. I um, I don't know what kind of, how good of a sermon this is going to be tonight, but I do have a story to tell you, and uh, I feel like the Lord wants to speak to someone tonight. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles tonight to the book of Romans chapter 8, the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse number 15. Romans 8 and 15 says, for, you ha- for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have 
receive the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. One more passage of scripture from Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, we're going to read from verse number 4. According as he hath chosen us in him, that is in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. My subject, my subject this evening is, you are adopted. You are adopted. Dear Lord Jesus, we come before you today. Come before your word carefully. God, come before your word asking you to speak to us tonight. Lord, I pray you touch my mind and my mouth. Give me understanding and utterance. Help me to speak your word with clarity, with anointing and power, O oh God. This is a great people tonight because they belong to you. They deserve to hear and receive a word from you tonight. Lord, I pray that grace will be upon me and that preaching the word will minister grace to the hearer. I pray that faith arise in the heart of every person under the sound of my voice. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. Adoption in Scripture carries a, a rich history as well as a very deep and rich theology. As Paul, in the three texts of Scriptures that we read to you, in your hearing, takes on the idea of adoption and makes it a major theme in his writings as a picture of what God in Christ has done for us and bringing us into the family of God. Culturally, in the Old Testament, uh, there were various examples in the Old Testament of natural adoption. In Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, Pharaoh's daughter 
adopted Moses. The Bible says that Moses' birth mother received wages to care for her own son until she gave him to Pharaoh's daughter. And the Bible says that he became her son. In Esther chapter 2 and verse number 7, Mordecai adopted Hadassah or Esther. The Bible says that Mordecai took Hadassah for his own daughter. Most scholars and historians, when looking at Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 3, believe that Abraham adopted his servant Eleazar in order that he might have a seed come from his house because at that point Abraham had not born offspring himself. There are various other examples of adoption, natural adoption throughout the Old Testament. But beyond the, the examples of natural adoption in the Old Testament, we come to see a more uh, deep spiritual or covenantal picture of adoption as we begin to see God taking on the nation of Israel to be His Son. God covenantally adopts Israel to be His people. Whenever God found Israel, the Bible says that, that Israel was polluted in its own blood, had not been washed, had not been salted, had not been swaddled, and left in the current condition in which God found her, would not have survived, did not have within her the capacity to survive in her present condition. But the Bible says that God said to Israel, live, and she lived. So God takes Israel and adopts Israel to be his child. The Bible says in Hosea 11 that Israel became God's son. He said, out of Egypt have I called my son. And of course, in Malachi chapter 2 and verse number 10, God refers to himself as Israel's father. That covenantal idea of adoption has been extended into the New Testament as God has renewed his covenant with Israel. Jeremiah 31 and 31, God says, A new covenant will I make with the house of Israel, saith the Lord. And in the new covenant, God has taken into adoption something that never happened in the Old Testament. And that is now Gentiles are now able to fully participate in covenant relationship with God. Brothers and sisters, whether Jew or Gentile, Galatians 3 says that we are all the children of God by faith. So the idea of adoption becomes an incredible metaphor of salvation as it is, as it is extended into the New Testament. The great difference between adoption in New Covenant and adoption in Old Covenant is in the Old Covenant you became a part of God's covenant family merely by the fact that you were born into the right family. And if you were male, it, uh, the fact that you were circumcised on the eighth day meant that you were a covenant participant 
in God's relationship with Israel. And the Old Testament covenant relationship with God was predicated on race. But Paul, in preaching the gospel, gives something drastically different about God's renewed covenant with Israel. No longer is the gospel and covenant participation with the one God the Father based upon race. But now it is based upon grace. That God, by His grace, calls whomever He will to be a part of His great family. Adoption is defined as the taking of one as a son who is not a son by birth. Easton's Bible Dictionary defines Adoption as the giving to anyone the name and the place and the privileges of a son who is not a son by birth. Adoption, brothers and sisters, has incredible implication for us as Christians. According to our text in Romans 8, Galatians 4, and Ephesians 1, amen, as Gentiles, as Gentile Christians, we now stand in covenant relationship with the Father. We were not natural children of God by birth. In fact, Ephesians 2 and verse 3 says that we were by nature the children of wrath and by nature the children of disobedience. Ephesians 5 and verse 6. But God, according to His eternal grace and by His will, has chosen us in the Son to be sons and proof that we are sons and proof that we have entered into covenant relationship with the father is that we receive the spirit of the son the holy spirit that causes us to cry abba father now that we have been adopted as sons in the Son. We now stand in the same relationship with the Father as did and as does the Son, the man, Christ Jesus. Ephesians says we were chosen in Him to be sons. So in the Son as sons. When God looks at you and I, brothers and sisters, He sees us exactly how He saw and sees the man, Christ Jesus. Because I am hidden in the Son. When God sees me, He does not see me apart from Christ. Rather, He sees me covered by Christ. He sees me in Christ. What that means is no matter what you've struggled with this week, no matter what you've dealing, you're dealing with this week, no matter what you've gone through this week, God sees you in Jesus Christ with all the righteousness of Christ, with all the faith of Christ. Because we have been adopted in the sons as sons. We now stand as joint heirs with Christ Jesus and we stand in a relationship with God amen that is incredibly powerful first Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 says but you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation and a peculiar people that you should Show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into this marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but now 
are the people of God. Now he uses the term generation that comes from the Greek word genos, which is where we get the English word genetic or genealogy. It's the, it's the word that's used for begat in in uh, Matthew chapter 1, as one unpronounceable name begets another unpronounceable name, and another unpronounceable name begets another unpronounceable name, and another unpronounceable name begets another unpronounceable name, until finally we come to Jesus, which thankfully we can pronounce. <coughs> so it refers to biological offspring. However, he uses the term chosen. Chosen does not refer to biology. Your parents did not choose you. Brothers and sisters, your parents had you. And from looking at some of you, if they had been chosen, you would probably still be down at the orphanage sleeping next to Annie trying to figure out what in the world you were going to do with your life. Some of you I know was more trouble than what you were worth, but society looks down on people who leave their kids in garbage dumps and, and, and on the steps of fire stations. And so in order to save face, your parents decided, having weighed the risk, that it was better to keep you than face shame from the society. And that's the only reason why you are here tonight. <laughs> I know a little bit about this because both of my grandparents, both of my grandmothers was in the room with my mother when I was born. And the Barnums know all about having babies at home. They know all about that history in Pentecost. And when I was born, my maternal grandmother looked at me and said, that has to be the ugliest kid I have ever seen in my life. But all my high things changed. Just look at me now. Oh, hallelujah. <clears throat> my, my, my paternal grandmother kind of bowed up a little bit. They, they had a conflict going on anyway. And so she kind of bowed up a little bit and said, well, I think it's kind of cute. Now, I don't know what kind of cute I was, but I was kind of cute. You see, if I had been, if I had, had to have been picked, I would not have been picked. But brothers and sisters, there's something that is incredible that happens in spiritual adoption. God had no moral obligation to you whatsoever. You fell in Adam in the beginning, and God had no moral obligation to you whatsoever. But in his grace and mercy, brothers and sisters, when he came to your city, when he came to your community, when he came to your street, and when he came to your house, he said, I choose you. I choose you. Somebody needs to quit letting the devil lie to you and tell you that you don't belong here. The devil is a liar. The only reason why you're in this house tonight is you have been handpicked by God the Father to be a part of this family. Hey. You thought you struggled your way here. You thought you're here tonight because you chose to be here. No, no. Jesus said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. You're not here because you have the will. You're here by the will of God. You're not here because you have the faith. You're here by the faith of Jesus Christ. This is exactly where you belong. 
Somebody needs to remind yourself tonight, I've been chosen. Now, the conflict comes in that just because the father's happy you're here doesn't mean all the brothers and sisters are happy you're here. The prodigal is proof that as he returns, the staying brother is not happy that the straying brother returned. But the straying brother refused to allow the anger of the staying brother to rob him from the acceptance of the father because the straying brother realizes that the only one that decides whether I'm in the father's house or whether I'm not is the father himself. And if the father decides he wants, to, wants me to be here, you might not like it, you might complain about it, but if the Father says I'm here, I refuse to let my conflict with you cause me to walk out on the Father. And until you and I get things straightened out, you're just going to have to learn to live with me until you can love me because I'm here. Because the Father has invited me into his house. of you here tonight know our story that is my wife and I my wife and I lost a child in 1998 to a miscarriage and since then we have been unable to have biological children however we began the foster to adopt process in 2009 in the state of Texas and in early 2010 we started accepting foster children into our home in hopes of adopting a child the first child we took into our home was a 18 month old girl a little blonde haired blue eyed little girl and my wife and I Dana and I immediately fell in love with her and uh, we had her in our home about five or six months until our hearts were completely broken and she was taken from us and returned back to her biological mother and at that point we had we had uh, seriously considered getting out of the foster care system and uh, and forgetting about it because we had been so devastated by the loss of this child but uh, we continued to do it anyway. The second child that we took into our home was a little girl named Olivia. She was born three months premature. In fact, my wife, my wife had to go to the hospital with her every, every day for several weeks and sat with her. She, she only weighed um, four pounds when she was born. Tiny little girl. In addition to being born three months premature, after we brought her home for about two months, my wife could not leave the house with her. Someone always had to be 
with her. We could not go anywhere with her due to uh, various medical situations. In addition to that, she had a severe case of fetal alcohol syndrome um, because her mother drank extensively during the pregnancy. And because of that, the prognosis from the doctors were she will likely be a vegetable the rest of her life. Probably will never function in any kind of normal capacity. But after a couple months, she was taken also and went to live with her maternal grandparents. We took a third child into our home, a one-month-old boy that uh, weighed 16 pounds, big guy. He was well on the way to being just like his foster father. When he, when, he came to our, when he came into our home, both of his legs were broken. Several of his ribs were broken because his parents had severely abused and beaten him and had broken several bones in his body. For the first week or so, hardly no one got sleep because of the pain the little guy was in. Anytime he tried to change his diaper, he would just scream at the top of his lungs and very sad situation but about a month later after we nursed him past all of the a lot of the major issues with his broken bones he returned to his uh, paternal grandparents the fourth child we received took into our home was a three-year-old little girl and uh, she was taken from us only three days later and brothers that brothers and sisters that third day was like the resurrection it was glorious. It was beautiful. It was powerful. It was wonderful. It was a fresh take on life. When CPS showed up, we had her bags packed sitting outside. As soon as the doors clicked behind her heels, my wife and I were high-fiving in the Holy Ghost. We had a praise break, tongues and interpretation. We were glad. We were glad. That uh, eh, that little girl was gone. Hallelujah. Can you put up the second slide? Then we got a call about this little girl at two and a half years old. She had been removed from her biological mother due to drug abuse and <clears throat> more severe forms of abuse that is improper to talk about in a mixed setting like this. When CPS removed her from her mother, she was uh, asleep on the floor with various drug paraphernalia around her body. And uh, at two and a half years old, when we picked her up from the hospital, she was high on meth. She was bouncing around that hospital room like Tiger Woods had teed off in a tile bathroom. I mean, she was... She was going for it. <coughs> About one month later, <coughs> can you put up the next slide, please? About one month later, we got a call about a one-week-old baby boy. And uh, he uh, was removed from his parents because at one week old, he hadn't eaten in like two or three days. And when CPS showed up to his house, they gave the parents the option uh, to getting on government assistance to move into better housing and to get 
uh, I apologize for my sinuses. It's making me self-conscious. I don't know if it is you or not, but it's making me nervous. But instead of filling out the paperwork to get food assistance and to get into a better place to live, they said it would be too much of an inconvenience to fill out the paperwork. And so they removed, they removed uh, the baby from the home. And the father never even looked up from the video game that he was playing the whole time that CPS was there taking his son. But God blessed us with the little girl. You can throw up the next slide. God blessed us that 18 months later we adopted the little girl. 11 months later... We adopted the little boy. And thank God they now belong. We thank God for these wonderful, beautiful, amazing, annoying, mean little kids that God has given us. But there were three things that happened on adoption day that is significant that I want to convey to you this evening and I'm going to try to be mindful of the time and proceed rather rapidly the first thing that happened on adoption day is that the judge judge Nancy Berger in our case decreed that new birth certificates be issued and about 12 weeks later about three months later for both of the children new birth certificates arrived in the mail and when these new birth certificates arrived in the mail brothers and sisters an amazing thing was written on these birth certificates no mention of biological parents Dana and I are listed as though we were the birth parents they got a brand new birth record they had as it were been born again <laughs> the second thing that happened on adoption day is that when my little girl went into court, she went into court as Regina James, and she came out of court as Gia Grace Carroll. My little guy went into court as Alexander Marcus, came out of court as John Alexander Carroll. The second thing that happened on Adoption Day was they took on a new name. And a new identity. The third thing that happened on Adoption Day was that the judge ordered that the records be sealed. They're not a matter of public record, their adoption. Their old parents don't know their new address. <coughs> their old parents don't know their new name. They have no say-so about where they go to school, where they go to church. Everything about their new life, their old parents no longer have any access to or control over. Brothers and sisters, when you were adopted into the family of God, you were, number one, born again. You got a brand new birth record. Secondly, when you were adopted into the family of God, you went down into water with one name, but you came up out of the water with a brand new name. When I was buried, I went down as John Calvin Carroll. But as John, Johnny James would say, I came up as John Calvin Carroll Jesus because I took on the name of the family into which I was adopted. Paul said, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And, la and thirdly, 
Everything about my new life has been sealed by the court. My old father, the devil, has no access to who I am. He has no access to who I will become. Everything about who I am in Christ is no longer under his control, no longer under his authority. Post-adoption, brothers and sisters, the only one that determines your future is what happens with your new father after your adoption. Your old father prior to your adoption has no say-so over where you will go in life, what you can do, and what you will become. Get this, the only name that their old parents, their biological parents know is their pre-adoption name. They cannot call them by their new name. I know the old name and the new name, but I will not call them by their old name. So that the way, the way, that you tell the difference between the voice of your new father and your old father is not what's being said. You got to listen real careful. What name is it calling you? Because your old father doesn't know your new name and your new father will not use your old name. So that any voice that calls you what you used to be is not your new father. Quit believing that lie. Any voice that calls you a liar, any voice that calls you a fornicator, any voice that calls you an adulterer is not the voice of your new father. The only thing your new father is going to call you is by your new name. He will only call you son. I'm preaching to somebody tonight that is struggling with the voices in your head. And you can't figure out whether it's God or the devil talking to you. Something's telling me that God doesn't love me and, 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 and it's robbing you of your faith. And you've got voices that's telling you all kinds of crazy stuff about your old life. I'm here to preach to you tonight in Jesus' name. The devil is a liar. That is not the voice of your new father. Put up the next slide. Before we adopted our children, CPS gave us one out. When it came time to sign the paperwork, they said, here's your final opportunity to get out of the adoption. This, brothers and sisters, is the folder, respectively, on our two kids. A seven-week-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. It's the book of their life. Everything about the conditions of their removal, the psychological evaluations on their biological parents, psychological evaluations on them, medical and psychological prognosis of, about what they will do and what they will become based upon what they've been through. 
And CPS says, if there's anything in the file that's too disturbing or too troubling that you don't think you want to disrupt your family to take this child, nobody will think any differently of you. Say it now, and we will replace the child in foster care system and hope that someone else will adopt the child in the future. But after having read the file, after seeing all the history, all the documents of abuse, complete with pictures and prognosis about future behavior, I look at Dana, Dana looks at me. Yeah, we'll take them. Can I tell you about a father that knows your life from beginning to end? And when he chose you into his family, he chose you knowing the entire story. He saw everything you've ever been through. He's seen every divorce, every form of abuse, every broken relationship that you've ever been through in your entire life. He knew all the issues that you were going to have in the future as a result of everything you've been through. And God says, I'll still take them. I still want them to be mine. So in other words, your mess-ups and your failures don't take God by surprise. And God isn't considering putting you back up for adoption. Because he saw the whole story before he ever signed on the dotted line. Peter, you're going to deny me three times, but you're still my man. You're still my son. Sometimes the, sometimes the devil wants to make us think that our mistakes take God by surprise. And that because of mistakes we make, God may change his mind about us being a part of the family. No. He knows the end from the beginning. He saw the book of your life. And he chose you anyway. See, see God, God is like my wife one day at the mall. When, whenever Gia was still in the foster care, our mall has a play area, and my wife was watching our little girl in the play area, and the, before she knew it, there was a guy sitting across the play area that was playing with his child, and he was actually sitting on the floor. And almost as, in, as if in slow motion and unable to do a thing about it, my wife is watching as our little girl gets closer and closer, and the closer she gets, the further up her hands comes. And the closer she gets, the more her fingers close. And when she got right beside that guy, she unleashed and jacked him right upside the head. Put, the, put that next picture up. You can't really tell it, but their hair, because my guy who did my presentation for me blacked the picture out, but their hair is identical color, red. And 
So red-headed lady runs over and grabs red-headed kid, looks down at red-faced man and says, she's our foster kid and we're still working with her. I can just imagine red-faced man looks at red-faced or red-headed girl, looks a little further up at red-headed lady and thinks of all the dirty tricks I've ever seen in my life for a mother to throw her kid under the bus just because she misbehaves in public. Well, I got good news for you tonight. God don't ever play the foster care card. God don't ever say they're just my foster kids. I'm still working with them. The Bible says, wherefore, he is not ashamed to be called their God. My wife gets nervous when Gia acts up in public, especially restaurants. I have no idea why, but... But if she, if she acts up a little bit, my, my wife is frantically trying to get her to behave. I mean, it's no, I mean, what's the big deal? The guy's got a hot dog hanging out of his ear that he didn't order. I mean, uh, all I can say is he better be thankful. It would have been a fork in his juggler when we first got her. I mean, <coughs> in fact, as I was reading through the book, The File, uh, a couple weeks ago as I was preparing to preach this sermon, There was a, an hilarious note that one of the caseworkers wrote in there. She said, foster mother says that child is no longer growling at men. When Dana would take her to the grocery store, to Walmart or Target or wherever, they would pass, they would pass a man and she would, she would growl at him. Because the only, <coughs> the only things she knew about men were men hurt me. In fact, for the first couple weeks that she was in our house, as soon as I would come in the door, she would get behind me, shove me into the bedroom, close the door, and wouldn't let me out. Because all she knew was I'm a man. And the only men I know do bad things. But I gave her her space. And about two weeks in, one day I was sitting in my chair, her little feet running up the hall. And when she rounded the corner, her eyes locked with mine. She jumped up on my lap, lap hugged me around the neck, and it's been on like Donkey Kong ever since. <laughs> Why? <coughs> she said, I've lived here long enough, and he hadn't done anything bad yet. I think I've found somebody I can love. I don't know about you, but I've been serving God long enough, and he ain't never, ever done me nothing ever but good. The point of the story is, Dana gets upset because someone sitting across the restaurant sees a snapshot of behavior. I'm fixing to blaspheme here. You saw the snapshot, but I've seen the whole movie. And where we are at this point in the movie ain't where it was when it started. 
and you can criticize whatever you want about the moment. But as her dad, I'm proud as all get out that she ain't acting like she was the day I found her. It's easy to look at some of God's kids and judge based upon a moment of public misbehavior. And while you're judging them as needing punishment, the father's sitting up there saying, oh, but you don't know how far they came since I found them. You don't know how much better the way they're acting now is compared to when I found them. The brother's perspective doesn't always match the father's perspective. All right. I'm, one more point and I'm closing. Not only have we been adopted in the son as sons, but Galatians says that we have received the spirit of his son now get this being adopted in the son as sons changes how the father sees me how the father feels about me because once i come into the son as a son the father feels about me exactly the way he does jesus but i'm not not even close to trinitarian i almost preached i'm a jehovah's witness tonight The other side is we receive the Spirit of the Son. And when we receive the Spirit of the Son, when the Son's Spirit gets in me, it carries with it all of the Son's affection for the Father. So that when I get the Spirit of the Son, now it changes how I see the Father. It changes how I feel about the Father. So that now with the Spirit of the Son, I feel the same way about the Father that Jesus did. See, being adopted into the son as a son, that's a legal process. But you need something more than legal paperwork to make you a true son of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You need more than a legal document saying you've been adopted. You need the son's spirit to take hold of your spirit until you feel the same way about the Father that Jesus did. That's why you need more than baptism. That's why you need more than the legal covenant entry into relationship with the Father. You need the Holy Ghost. Because without the Holy Ghost, you will never come to feel about the Father the way Jesus did. You will never come to love the Father the way Jesus did. Brothers and sisters, we have been adopted into the family of God. No more are we strangers. No more are we aliens and foreigners, strangers from the, co from the covenants of promise. It's quoted, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, brothers and sisters, by the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been made nigh.
we have been drawn nigh to God in Christ. Probably the most scary verse in all of Scripture to me. Without God in the world. To me, the most scary Scripture in all of the Bible. I don't know about you, I can't imagine living without God in the world. Oh, but thankfully, because of God in Christ, we become sons of God in the Son, and our relationship with the Father has forever changed. Because through baptism, we have entered covenant relationship. Through water baptism and through spirit baptism, we have received the Spirit of the Son that enables us to love the Father the way Jesus loved the Father. If you're here tonight and you don't have the Holy Ghost, don't stop until God fills you full of the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives you the utterance. Baptism is an incredible experience. You feel clean, you feel wonderful, you feel new. But there's something about receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost that's going to transform your spirits. So you don't feel about things the way you used to feel about them. Oh, hallelujah. Come to the music, whatever the custom is on Wednesday night, I'm done. My first mission tonight was encourage someone who's struggling in the family. To let you know you're here because God has chosen you. You're not an accident. You're not here because your mind's made up. You're here because the mind of Christ has determined that you will be here. You're here because God intends you to be here. My second goal in preaching this message was to encourage someone who has not come into covenant relationship with the Father. The invitation's open. There's plenty of room in the Father's house. Yeah, there may be a, a couple of your brothers and sisters that will be knuckleheads once you join the family. But don't let them alienate you from the love of the Father that has chosen you to be a part of His family. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
could remember that other verse, I'd sing it. Yeah. I tell you, I feel really good about my father tonight. <laughs> I feel really good about my daddy tonight. Hallelujah. Now, history tells of a polycarp, a martyr for the gospel's sake. They built the fire all around his feet, and they tied him to a stake. But the fire could not consume him. They pierced him with a sword. The blood ran down, put out the fire. Still he praised the Lord.